It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode 29, and things are getting a little chilly over here. On today's episode, we chat about ice climbing rescue missions, Mount Everest controversy, and near-death snowboarding accidents. Grab your ice cleats and let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rails? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Ahoy! Ahoy, Voyagers. Episode 29 of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Christine. And we are got some video going on at the moment. Yes, we do. We've got the video going on. We're not, I was going to say we're live. We're not live, but we do have video. So you're going to see, start seeing some video clips going around. Yeah, we're really excited. I know. Some of you probably don't even know what we look like, which no. is so so sad for you. Yes. Well, now you get to see our faces and we have a very, very, very big announcement to make. But you should already know this because if you follow our Instagram, you would have seen our video. We We're have, getting married. Uh, we have a baby. No. <laughs> Just in case. We're we have a Patreon page. Yes, we do. Now, Christine, what is Patreon and what does it even mean to have a Patreon page? Oh, well, that's a great question, Julian. So Patreon is a website where people can support their favorite artists, including podcasters, because we're artists too. Yes. So patreon.com slash not so bon voyage, you will see that we have a page set up which has some different levels of ways that you can help support the podcast. Now, it starts very low and is as a, a token of appreciation and it goes up to it's not going to cost you a lot. We're not going to ruin the surprise. We're not gouging it, you. We're not gouging you. We're not asking you for any information. Before you start pulling your hair out and worrying it, we are going to continue to bring you one episode of a week of the Not So Bon Voyage podcast. Nothing is changing, but we are going to support and to reward mm-hmm. some of our more loyal voyagers who are going to support us with cash <laughs> <laughs> by setting up this Patreon. So if you're unfamiliar with the system, as Christine said, it is a way that people can help support artists or creators. So whether it's a podcast or or an an actual artist, or a YouTuber, or a vlogger, or a photographer, or anybody that's offering a craft or a service that brings people joy or entertainment. Mm -hmm. So we believe that our podcast does that week in and week out, and we want to give some of you an opportunity to thank us for that. (laughs) We're giving you an opportunity here. Yes. So one thing to remember is we will be continuing one episode a week, Nothing's going to change on that front. We will bring you episodes each week. But if you want to support our podcast and join our Patreon page, you will get some added bonuses, Mm -hmm. such as... You will be getting twice monthly bonus episodes that are completely exclusive to our Patreon supporters. Wow. That means only those people are going to hear it. Woo! Woo! And, you know, in actual fact, we already have a bonus episode up there. We recorded it just before. By the time you hear episode 29, if you go onto our Patreon page, you will find that there is already a bonus episode up there, and it's a really good one. Now, I don't mean to make people miss out, but that's the way it's going to have to be, unfortunately. If you join the (laughs) Patreon page, you will get access to two extra episodes a month, as well as some extra bonus audio and video content, some shout outs. There's a whole bunch of awesome perks if you check out the page. The lowest tier is only $2 a month. $2. And then it goes up to $10 a month. $2, $5, $10. So you can show us how much you love us with cash. The best <laughs> present ever. Yes. And we're not uh, we're not 
forcing you to do it. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> we if you still don't want have to. free content for we you guys. We still have lots of free content. Nothing's going to change there. All we're doing is offering a little bit of extra content for those who want a little bit of extra not so bon voyage weekly and monthly. And maybe even for those that want to just throw a little support our way because, you know, we're just doing this out of love at the moment. Yeah, we don't run any ads, obviously, on our episodes. So we're doing this completely out of pocket, which is our choice. You don't have to do it for that reason. But if you enjoy the episodes and want to be a patron, a supporter, go to patreon.com slash not so bon voyage. Uh, Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can check it out. Yes, but... We're not going to harp on it about it now because we've got to get into the episode this we week. We do indeed. Episode 29, updates. Well, we're going to keep this very short because there's not much to update right now. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to our youngest ever Voyager who has just entered this world. A big shout out to one of our long-term listeners, Amy, and the arrival of her beautiful darling daughter, Daisy Joy. Um, so just wanted to give a little shout out to Daisy Joy for being our youngest Voyager. Little baby Voyager. Little baby, beautiful Voyager. She is so gorgeous. So congratulations, Luke and Amy, and welcome to the world, Daisy Joy. Welcome to the world. May your life be full of adventure. I'm sure it will be. And hopefully not too many not so bon voyages. Hopefully only bon voyages. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I also wanted to do an update on, well, I've got two updates. One was last week we talked about the idea of it raining cats and dogs. Yes, we did. And I wanted to give you, I actually looked up the origin of that and I wanted to let you know where it came from. I cannot wait. Oh, okay. wait, can I guess? Yes, you can guess. Okay. Is it, this is depressing, but is it that it rained so hard that it would drown cats and dogs and they would be like in the street floating around? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, pretty much. I don't know if it would drown them, but it said uh, it's an idiom, which means that it's when it's rained extremely heavily, the streets became swollen with rain, and it's likely that many dead dogs and cats floating in the flooded streets uh, like rose, and so it gave the appearance that it had rained down cats and dogs. That's disgusting. Yes, that's ye old times. That is how is that like medieval times or something? I mean, most of those old school sayings are like that's to give someone old. the cold shoulder and oh, you know, we you should, know what that one is. No, it was the cold shoulder is so you know you say it now like it means basically to say to someone like fuck off. Yeah, you know the cold shoulder was the worst part of the meat and it was cold. Oh. So when somebody when you were disgruntled with someone at a feast, you would give them the cold shoulder, oh. and it was basically like a big f you to them. Oh, here's my shoulder meat. Yeah, That's all and, you get. And it's cold. You don't get any rump roast or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And my other sh- my other update was the which is kind of my in the news. It's the new segment that we will be only periodically spending time on. So don't worry if you don't. <laughs> it's called Where's Bert? <laughs> Where is Bert? Where's Bert? Is he in the bathtub with Ernie? No, he's not. He's well. He's in a, a big bathtub, but he's by himself because Bert <laughs> is a story. A guy we talked about last week who is sailing around the world without any kind of electronic uh, navigation devices. And he is somewhere... But he has Instagram that we have found out. He does have access to email. Mm -hmm. I don't think he runs his Instagram, but he is is, uh, like five, six, six months deep into a solo trip 
sailing around the world, which is which made him officially the world's uh, best social distancer of 2020. He wins that award. Congratulations, bro. And he's now somewhere sort of at the bottom of Australia. I've made contact with him. I've officially made contact with Bert in the was middle of nowhere. Was it on Instagram? It was via Instagram, but I think that's someone on his ground team. Ah. Oh. Okay. So, I, but I have emailed him and spoke to him personally, and he was very, he was very nice, and he was also very apologetic for getting back to me late. And I was like, dude, it's all right, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, on I got your no- schedule. I got nothing but time. So he was really nice, and so he reached out, and I wanted to just do a quick uh, update because I didn't tell you this last week. But one of the rad things that Bert is doing for ocean and environment um, is he's doing research along the way. Oh, okay. So he's actually dropping off these floating GPS devices for some some science institute, and they're going to track the currents, That's like the awesome. surface currents of the ocean. And he's also cataloging plastics that he's seeing in the ocean for the University of Hawaii to like track plastics and all that sort of stuff. So he's doing That's some. So interesting. And he's doing lots of different things, and you can actually track these GPS devices that he drops in the water. Um, and you can do heaps of, he's doing heaps of stuff. Anyway, I just wanted to say he was doing a great job out there. And one thing is that he's in the middle of nowhere in the ocean and he found a Pepsi bottle. I was going to say, is he like a doc writing a logbook? No, like he is. Monday, March 17th, 7 a.m., South American Ocean, Mountain Dew bottle, No, 1.5 liters. No, literally he is. He found a one liter plastic bottle of Pepsi and he's like logging down what he sees. Is he grabbing them or is he letting them float? Um, or we cannot confirm. I cannot confirm. He may not be able to access it. He might only be able to see it in passing. I don't think he's going out of his way to collect plastic. He would be the world's uh, greatest beach cleanup uh, award yeah, as well. Yeah, that'd be pretty impressive. If he was, but yeah, I don't think so. so. I'll have to slide into his DMs and ask him. Yeah. well, I'm, He's I'm, big on the Instagram. I'm on the emails with him. So. Okay. Anyway, that's where Bert is. And uh, yeah, where's Bert? Wow, I love that. That's a great segment. So my in the news is a so remember before corona when there were a lot of articles and memes about quitting your job selling all your possessions and traveling the world yeah or starting a travel blog or starting a travel blog but it was all like yolo like you know i'm gonna catch flights not feelings like i'm gonna just go out and you know screw everything like quit my job you know what i mean Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the thing for a while so that's what Cheryl Rodewig, Rodewig, probably Rodewig, R-O-D-E-W-I-G. I'm going to go with Rodewig. Rodewig. That's what Cheryl Rodewig did, and then Corona hit. So her and her husband sold Perfect their house. Timing. Great timing. So her and her husband sold their house, all their belongings. She quit her job, and they started what they thought would be a seven-month dream trip around Europe. Oh, so dreamy. So dreamy. So McDreamy. <laughs> So they had one-way tickets to Paris, love, love mid-February. <laughs> Mid-February, not a good time to start your seven-month dream France. trip, especially in Europe. Yeah. So like by that time, they'd heard about um, COVID in Italy, but they didn't actually have plans to go to Italy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you could have a Europe trip without Italy, but whatever. Um, so they weren't too worried about it, but then, you know, in March, everything just got worse. On March 14th, the French president declared a lockdown and it took Cheryl and her husband 23 hours on three trains, two planes, a bus and a shuttle to get to Orlando. And then they had to get an Airbnb because they sold their house and start looking for jobs, um, because just their entire trip was canceled. 
So okay, so did they lose all their money on bookings and things like I think, that? Or? I don't have details on that, but I'm guessing they did lose some. But they probably have some savings. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that if you're goes, going away for seven months, you'd assume that you've got some savings organized. Totally, um, but that goes quick if you're paying for like Airbnbs and all that. Oh yeah, um, pretty much flies in the face of exactly the opposite of situation you'd want to be in. Exactly. Like we're kind of in that situation, but we were already in it. So right. we're just dealing with it along with a lot of other people like us. But to be like, I'm finally going to do it. Exactly. Hashtag YOLO, hashtag Cabal Goals. We're going to start a travel Instagram. Woo, we're going <laughs> to do it. Oh, fucking hell. Seriously. And I feel like a lot of people thought like 2020, like oh, this nice, is going to be my year, nice man. Nice round number. It's going to be it's a, a very- pretty number. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Totally. Complete package year. I'm going to put everything into 2020. Mm, I'm going to mm, this year. Yeah, exactly. And then I you mean, we finally, were kind of thinking that. I think everybody was, honestly. Yeah. I mean, New Year knew me, but I think that uh, can you imagine like planning this trip? selling all your stuff selling your house quitting your job like getting up the courage because it's pretty brave to do all that and then it's just like womp womp like oh not even a month in you're just like have to go home i mean we're like we had i mean travel is our job but we had we had that feeling just because of all of our travel plans got cancelled imagine if you built your whole life around doing that one thing and for the first time for the first time like like, we've had the experiences i was just gonna say that yeah we have we've traveled for I mean, we're not bragging, but long time. Yeah. And if you were finally building up to do that for the very first time, that would suck. That's why, guys, now if I'm just going to drop a little bit of like a travel takeaway on you now, just out of the blue. A little takeaway bomb. That's why you just got to seize life. That's true. You got to seize life. Screw Corona. Go traveling. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, no. But I mean, that's why this is the exact reason why, though, you should try to enjoy these experiences while you're younger. Mm-hmm. Or when you can, or or, or if to you're travel. older, when, however age old you yeah, are, yeah. do it now. Oh yeah, yeah, not right now, but no. But I mean, yeah. So of course you can obviously travel whenever. But I'm saying, like, this is a good example as to why you shouldn't be waiting to get to a certain time in your life to do something. Absolutely, because like, yes. you never know. Like that's what Corona has taught us. If you don't know, you don't know. Now you know. Yes. Later. If you don't go, then you'll never know. That's it. Does that still make sense? I've lost track of what we were talking about. But basically, sorry, Cheryl and her husband, Mr. Rodwig. Or maybe he has a different last name. I don't know. Yeah. We have different last names and we're married. Yeah. So hopefully they are able to travel again in the future and have that dream Europe trip. Yeah. Well, I feel like this transition is too good to take up. So we were, we were quite... Quoting Sam, if you don't know, now you know. Mm-hmm. And to go from one hip-hop legend to the next, my main story is called Ice Ice Baby. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I, I like just, the sound of this. I thought that the uh, the timing was just too uh, – we couldn't put anything else in between. We were going to talk about the Patreon, but we can't. We've got to keep going. Got to keep going. All you better right. be delivering me a primo vanilla ice travel story. Otherwise, I'm going to be disappointed. It's an ice-related story. So that's a, that's. A, that's it. I'm just going for it now. Okay? Now I just want ice cream. Well, I'm sorry. This has got nothing to do with ice cream, but it is a great story. So here we go. This is a story from November 1982 about two, that's right, two (laughs) (laughs) New Zealand mountaineers, a guy called Mark Inglis and Philip Dool, and they're both in their early 20s. 
Love Mark it. is 23. I don't know how old Philip is. To be honest, I don't know much about Philip. There, The story seems to focus more on Mark because he does <laughs> more things later in life. What? But it doesn't matter. Hashtag for Philip. Yeah, well. Hashtag okay. justice for Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Philip too. <laughs> No, I just said that. (laughs) I was going to say hashtag justice for Philip. We want to hear more about Philip. Okay, but what did you say? Philip story. (laughs) I just said hashtag for Philip. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. I mean, this one's hey, you know what? And and because of that, this story is now dedicated to Philip. Hashtag for Philip and all the Philips of the world. (laughs) I love it. Both men are experienced climbers. They they are members of the Mount Cook Alpine Rescue Team. In fact, they're from New Zealand and Mount. Cook is the highest mountain in New Zealand. It's also sometimes <laughs> I've lost okay. you now. They it's also called Aroki A O R A K I Aroki. I'm um is that like a in Maori? Yeah, I think that's a Maori name. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to call it Mount Cook just because I can't pronounce Aroki. Although I would say Aroki. I'll say both. (laughs) (laughs) Just say the big mountain. The big mountain. The biggest mountain. So they're on the biggest mountain in New Zealand. And on this particular trip, they're summiting to the top. You go, Um, girls. At some stage during the trip, a mad blizzard comes and whips through the mountain, right? What's it so mad about? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. (laughs) It's very angry. And the two were forced to take shelter in some kind of like snow cave. So I think they were summiting to the top. They saw this blizzard happening in the distance and they thought, we got to get into shelter because this is not going to be good news. So they like scrambled down to this spot that they remembered on Middle Peak and they were able to find shelter in kind of like an ice cave at the time. So they bunkered in there and let this storm just rage over the mountain. For a week, the storm raged on and restricted... A week? Yeah. They're stuck in there for a week? Yes. <laughs> okay. the, so the storm rages, rages on and restricts them from being able to leave uh, the cave. Whoa. Meanwhile, outside the mountain, a huge search and rescue team is assembled because they're experienced climbers, but they also knew that they were, had gone missing and they hadn't had any communication with them. So the... Media is all over it. All right? They're like lost climbers, challenging weather, New Zealand's highest peak. Like it had all the telltales of a, a great news story. Flashy headline. A flashy story. And and genuine concern now starts to develop because they think like these are sub-freezing uh, temperatures. These guys are up there. They're, they're not equipped to be up there for that long. Frostbite, ever heard mm, of it? Hypothermia, hypothermia, ever heard of that? Starvation, all these things are starting to be like shit. Yeah. Then along came a man called Don Boogie. Ooh, Don Boogie. His name's, I think it's Boogie. B-O-G-I-E. Boogie. <laughs> I'm going to call him Don Boogie, Mr. Boogie. So Don Why Boogie, not? he comes onto the scene and he <laughs> is also as part of the search and rescue team, but he's like the head. He's like the boss guy. The head right? Boogie. So he was pretty confident the guys would be okay for a couple of nights. But when it turned into uh, more days and more days, he starts to get a little concerned. He's like, all right. We've got to go out and help them. But the thing is, the weather is so bad up there that they can't get a rescue team. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Christine's going, uh-huh. uh-huh. She's on the edge of her seat. She's still waiting for the part about ice cream. I told you, Christine, there is no ice cream in this story. Oh, this is so sad. So he's waiting for the weather to clear up because he can't really do much while it's so cloudy and so windy because why are you still laughing at me? I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's got the giggles. I don't know what's going on. It's if you've been ser- listening to our podcast for a long time, you know I get the giggles. It's a serious story. When things get serious, Christine gets the giggles. That's true. I get Don't nervous. take it personally. 
So the as soon as the weather clears up, they head out into a helicopter to search for the guys because it's the first opportunity they get. So anytime they're going out there, they're also risking their own life to try and brave the bad weather and the peaks in a like in a rescue helicopter to try and look for a sign of the climbers. Mm-hmm. So they're cruising around for a couple of days, and finally, after a week, they find the pair at this part called Middle Peak. And Don says. Uh, he says it's incredible. It was incredibly windy up there, so we flew right up to the most likely place, and well, there they were. Well, that was good <laughs> so of them to go. be at the most likely place. So it was too. The weather was too bad to be able to attempt a rescue, but they were able to drop off food and supplies and a radio, That's so they good. could communicate with them until the radio battery died. Is this a weekend? This is a weekend. Okay. So after one week, they found them. They dropped food, they dropped supplies. So they were up there for a week in a frozen ice cave in freezing temperatures waiting to be rescued. How did they survive? Did they huddle for warmth or what? Did I think they, they must have had, I think they, it like was- Like sleeping bags? I think they had sleeping time. bags, had mm-hmm. things like that because I think the trip was like a multi-day thing. So they had food prepared for their trip. And I'm sure as experienced climbers and search and rescue people, they know bring extra stuff, supplies. So they had all the equipment they needed. Maybe they had those things that you crack and then you put it in your glove and it warms up. The thing that you wear when the weather drops down to like 50 <laughs> degrees. Yes. Christine's like, oh, it's freezing. <laughs> I get cold easily. You do. So, they, so they've got a radio. They're able to communicate. They know that things, that there's a team out there helping them or trying to help them. One of the guys, Mark, is you know he's not doing as well. He's not moving around as much. His legs are starting to Mark. Mark. Uh oh. Uh oh. His legs are starting to what? What are his legs starting to do? They're starting to freeze up. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, these frozen. Hurry up, rescuers. <laughs> the battery dies on the radio, so they lose communication. But finally, there is a break in the weather, good enough that uh, an Air Force helicopter can take off and it can go and try and hit where they are and rescue them. But the Air Force helicopter crashes into the side of a mountain. What? At, which is a few hours climb below where the climbers were, and they're unable to rescue them. Is it the same mountain? Yes, the same mountain. Big Thankfully, mountain. every big mountain, Araroki Mount Cook. Uh-huh. Thankfully, everyone was okay. Thank okay. goodness. They would have felt extremely bad if yes. somebody had gotten but hurt. there's like three or four people from the rescue team as well as the hel- helicopter crew that had to then be rescued oh because they're God. on the side of this mountain. There is a great picture of Don Boogie. Their helicopter is upside down in the side, like kind of like lodged in the side of a mountain and the tail, they said, was hanging off a big drop. Uh-huh. But and he's sitting there like a boss in like a little chair, just sitting in front of it. Like just seemed like shit did not face <laughs> this guy. Don Boogie is the Don. He's the boogeyman. So they have to get rescued. They get rescued. That's fine. This right? is a cluster F. Yeah. The next day, Don Boogie is like, What do I do? I'm a rescue man. He's not gonna take a day off. He's, he's not just taking gone a day. helicopter crash. No, he's like, doesn't matter, I'm fine. Next day he goes back out in a helicopter attached to a long ro- a rope, which is called a strop. Have you ever heard that word before? Um, I've heard of a strap. Okay, this is a strop. Okay. And that I believe is the technical. I just learned this term. We know we are not a mountain rescue uh, podcast. No, we are not. No. We're many things, but we're not that. You would think that we might know this because of aviation. It does sort of like play into the aviation rescue. That's true. I feel like maybe we should expand our aviation. Okay. 
Should yeah. we put our intern Kamran on the well, case? Well, he's a senior intern now. He is. He he actually, if you're listening last week, we requested that he create a catalog of a glossary of aviation terms, which he sent over promptly. Yes. Yeah, so so he, he's been promoted. He's a senior intern. He still doesn't get paid. No, he's not getting paid. <laughs> he's getting paid. We don't even get paid, but we could be getting paid. <laughs> if you go on our if Patreon. If you go on our Patreon, but he's not getting paid now. Smooth so transition. It's going to have to be a long time before pay, before he gets paid. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this, it's called a strop. Okay. So a strop is uh, the long rescue. Like, you, you know, you've seen a helicopter with a long thing coming down and there'll be sometime someone on the end of it and they'll attach the stretcher or something like that. Isn't it usually like a rope ladder or something? Yeah, well, this is just, this is even longer though. Okay. This is like hanging ages. So this helicopter flies in and Don Boogie's just hanging off the end of this strop. Just of course like, he is. Wee. He's getting helicoptered into this cave. So they drop him off outside the cave and uh, Mark Mark is in there at the moment, but his legs aren't working so good. <laughs> his legs aren't working good. Right? Okay. So his legs are no good. And <laughs> and Philip, he's walking around, so he's okay. So they're like, all right, get Mark out first. So mm. Don has to go into the cave, and he has to go in like four or five meters into the cave, and Mark is there in his sleeping bag, and he kind of mm. attaches him to a little harness stretcher type thing, and then eventually, I don't know, I guess he like pulls on the rope, ding, ding, I'm ready to go. <laughs> They lift him out, take Mark out, and they're able to rescue Mark. So Mark gets rescued to safety. He's all good. Uh, then they so they drop him off. Then they go back for Philip straight away, and Philip's just walking around. So he's cruising. He's like, got he, his legs are working. Yeah, his legs are working fine. So he's fine. And Philip's you know he's got his harness on already. So so the old Don Boogie was able to just drop in, clip him on. They take him out. Happy days. You go Boogie. 13 – well, okay, so I said Philip was walking around okay. I should – he was walking around. Okay, I don't, I not necessarily okay. he was walking okay. He was able to walk at the time. Okay. 13 and a half days they were trapped in this cave. Oh, what? Facing the elements. So they make contact after seven days, but they basically spend like almost another seven days in there. Holy moly. So they're, they're not in too good shape when they finally do get rescued. So day 14 they're rescued – but unfortunately, frostbite had kicked in too much oh, for no. the men, and they ended up both having both their legs amputated below the knee. Oh, that's unfortunate. Below the knee. But they were rescued. They were rescued. They were rescued. That's true. So both men became double amputees, but they survived. Hmm. Now, that's the crazy part of that story. That is a crazy story. But I got... Part two and a part three. Oh, you ready wow. for this? Yeah, I'm jumping Does into any it. Any of them involve ice cream? No. Okay. Mark. So this is this is just a small little uh, small little tidbit. So Mark returned to Mount Cook in 2002, 20 years after being trapped in the cave and having his legs amputated, and he finally summited the mountain with his amputated legs. Yes, with special prosthetic legs that had like um, foot things on them, claw things, so he could. Technology, like, man. What seriously. a world. And also, shout out to Philip because we know that this story is for Philip. Yeah. He also hashtag made it. Hashtag for Philip. Hashtag for Philip. <laughs> Philip Dool also made it up Mount Cook again at some stage. I think he might have made it up earlier. There's not a lot of information on you. Sorry, <laughs> Philip. I was really enthralled in Mark's story. It was way easy to find information on Mark. I really ran with Mark. Justice for Philip, man. Where's this story? Well, I'll just let you know Philip made it up. Okay, Philip made it up. Good. Thank goodness. And he did some great things with his life. I bet. Go, Philip. Thank you, Philip, for your service. Uh, but Mark, Mark's the one who 
I mean, because oh, Mark whatever. did other things. Let's hear it. Mark okay. stayed in the scene. He became a motivational speaker. He did all this sort of stuff. He then went on to summit more mountains as the WNBA amputee. He also became the first ever double amputee to summit Mount Everest. Holy moly. In 2006, after spending 40 days climbing the mountain. That is very impressive. Yes. It's uh, a little tidbit from that story. It wasn't without its difficulties, though. A line, somewhere along the journey, a line broke or something happened with one of the, the ropes or something, and he actually fell and he broke his leg. His above the knee? His prosthetic leg. Oh, he broke. Oh. He broke his prosthetic oh, leg. no. And they duct taped it back together. Oh, my God. Until they could get another leg sent up to him from base camp. So he had spare, I guess he moly. travels with spare legs. I mean, you would. There you go. Uh, but he That's made it successfully up to the top of Mount Everest. And he was the fir- yeah, first ever double amputee to summit Mount Everest in 2006. Okay. That is very impressive. Now, you ready for part three? I guess. There's some controversy. Oh, boy. There is some controversy. What is go. a story without some controversy? Well, it's a story without ice cream, and we're telling one of those right now. That's controversial in itself. Yes, it is. There is something controversial about his climb up Everest back in 2006. Did he? Was he carried by a Sherpa? No, he wasn't. No, this <laughs> That's is, how I would do it. Okay. Uh, gets a little bit darker now. No, so not a little bit darker. this is the Everest climb? This is the Everest climb. And this is Mark. It's not Philip. This is Mark. Philip is out of the picture now. Philip is gone. We're not talking about Philip anymore. I mean, Philip, I think he's still alive. So I don't know if he's gone. Like, he's not, like, gone. Oh, like, he's with like, us. It's not like he's no longer with us. Right. He's just no longer in this story. Yeah. So, 2006. I love it when things turn dark. So I'm yeah. here for it. 2006 Everest climb. At the time they were making the ascent, Mark had a crew with him. So I think that he was, I mean, obviously going up Everest as the first double amputee. Mm. No legs. Legless Mark. Well, he's got legs above the knee. That's true. He does. And he has his prosthetics. That's right. Okay. But he doesn't, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean. No feet. Actually, to no be feet. fair, he he has a lot of, he wrote memoirs and things like that because he turned into a motivational speaker. You go, Mark. Uh, oh God, I should, I should have pulled it up. Some of his books are like... Um, like no no feet too big or something like that. Like no. he really <laughs> he really he really leaned into. I'm gonna have no to find feet this now. Too big. Yeah, no, no. He really leaned into the uh, legless thing. Wait, let me pull up his biography. I'm, just don't worry, it's all good. I love okay. a good amputee pun. No mean feet was a book that he had. Uh, to the max, a teen reader's version of No Mean Feet. Okay. Okay, so he really must have dumbed it down a bit. Nate, well, well, why? No, he for probably, teenagers. Probably didn't dumb it down. He probably just took out all the swear words. Oh, maybe. Maybe the sexual. Another innuendo. one called Off the Front Foot. Love it. And No Legs on Everest. That one's pretty self explanatory. <laughs> That's very straightforward. So, not very subtle with those. No titles. Mean Feet is, <laughs> is spelled F E A T as in feet, but like not as in foot. But I think we all know what he's talking about. <laughs> It documents his entrapment and rescue from Mount Cook and his successful summit of the same mountain in 2002. He also became a successful Paralympian. I need a sequel called No Feet Too Big. No Feet Too Big. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. That that would... They, yeah, that would Mark, if works. you're listening, you could use that one. Uh, you can use we'll it for free. that to you. Uh, on the Front Foot, that's also an interesting one. That's views on coping with negative, positive and negative aspects of life. So that's just motivational. 
Which, I mean, to be fair, like if you lose both legs in an accident where you're trapped on an, a mountain for two weeks where you die, like I think you've earned the right. <laughs> you die. To, no, well, you almost die. Sorry. <laughs> I think you've earned the right to be a motivational speaker. That's, I think so too. That is pretty awesome. I mean, I think I should be a motivational speaker. And you've done nothing and literally like that. nothing <laughs> bad has ever happened to me. <laughs> Knock on wood. All right. So there we go. All right, let's get back to the controversy now. Yeah. So they, so he becomes a little bit of a celebrity in the sense that you know he's he's the WMBA. He survived that. He made he's it back. He's in the WMBA. He's in the WMBA. He, he that was the biggest surprise. No one could believe it. He made it back up the mountain. All that sort of stuff. Very impressive. So I think the Discovery Channel or someone that no, I think it's Discovery Channel. One of those channels is filming like a documentary about him going up Everest because he's going to be the first person. He's got a big team together, you know, he's doing well. Mm-hmm. So he's making his ascent with the crew up the mountain and they come across a British climber called David Sharp. Mm. When they find <laughs> Sharp, he is not in a good way. He was distressed and he was really struggling and he's basically, he's effed. He's at heft? He's effed. Oh, God. Okay. So rather than stopping to assist Sharp... <gasps> They instead continue onwards towards the summit. And so Mark whack. Inglis has been criticized for aban- for not abandoning his climb mm. to in rescue. Now mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain the full thing before we pass judgment on Mark and the crew. Okay. I'm just gonna say so so there were some critical elements that came out of his ascent because he didn't abandon it to help David Sharp. Okay. Even by the late and great Sir Edmund Hillary, which is what? <laughs> Do you know who Sir Edmund Hillary is? No. He's a New Zealand. Is he He is a New Zealand? He's a New Zealander. Is he the first one to climb Everest? He's the first person to climb Everest in 1953. Wow. So Inglis refuted the criticism saying that it wasn't his call and that it had been made by the expedition leader, Russell Bryce, who was at base camp. So he says that it, it was Bryce's call to make that. And he said that, so they're at eight, 1,500 meters, which is 28,000 feet above sea level. Mm. He said that everyone is basically in trouble and that it's extremely difficult to keep yourself alive, let alone anyone else alive. This is what Inglis, Mark Inglis said okay. about f- coming across him. So he kind of split opinions about this. Like some people were like, you know, you go up to Everest, you take the risk. Like mm. it's too dangerous to do re- – because, you know, it's really dangerous to do a rescue up there as well. Right. So they were like, well, like he should have helped him. He should have tried to do everything he could. Other people were like, man, you fucking barely can get yourself up there. But the fact is he continued on and made his ascent. I mean, can they radio somebody to rescue that guy? I don't know how that works. Yeah. So he says that he made contact with this expedition leader. It It came out later on, though, that Bryce, the expedition leader, he said, so he must have been at the camp. He said that he had no idea that David Sharp was up there. And that he was sick, huh. and that what he basically refuted what Inglis said, Whoa. and he also said that there was no official log recorded of a call down to Bryce from Inglis telling him that David Sharp was ill up there. Whoa. So, okay, well that's kind of sketchy. So after finally making reaching the summit, they started to their descend several hours later. I think one report said eight hours later, and they eventually passed David Sharp again. On the okay. way down. So David Sharp was very high up there then. Oh, yeah, very high up. Okay. Yeah. And they reached – so like a rescue team might not have been able to get to him. But right. those people were there. Okay. Um, 
They passed him in the cave again. This time he was really bad, like gravely ill. And a few people from the climbing crew tried to assist him. Unfortunately, David Sharp died. Oh. Okay. They like tried to carry him down. They tr- yeah, I guess on the way down. So I don't think everybody saw him on the way. I don't think it's like you're walking along a trail. Okay. And you just like come across a person. You're like, hey. And then the next person walks past. Hey. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. I think so. Apparently not everybody had seen him. So it was noted that he'd been up there for quite a long time without proper oxygen and that he was probably already like a bit of a goner. Okay. And so that's why people said, you know, mm-hmm. they weren't really sure. But Interesting. But a lot of people did say it was kind of a lack of effort mm-hmm. from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, some One of the people who had an opinion about it was his own mother. Oh. David What's Sharp's mother. Say? She oh, said, David Sharp's mom. Yeah, oh. she said that she didn't blame others, the other climbers. Um, I mean, it is your responsibility if you're going to go do a super dangerous activity like that. It said that he was up there without gloves. Now, that does what? not make sense. Was he up there alone? Are you supposed to hike I, by yourself? I do not understand. I, I, that's the part of the story I don't get. I didn't look too much into David Sharp's story because this was about Mark and Philip, the unforgotten Philip. And <laughs> But, yeah, but basically he died up on the mountain and he's still there because they mm. leave the bodies there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I think it's too dangerous to take him down. Yeah. So they did. It says that he, they moved him out of sight. Okay. But he's up there. But yeah, so I know I told the story of Mark and Philip, and it was a very inspiring story, and it finished on a bit of a low. Mm. But there, there are a lot of people that said, like that said, you know, it is what mm. it is. And he apparently Mark has come out and said that he recalls radioing down. But people also, when you've got that lack of oxygen, your mind's kind of like fucked up. That's true. I Yeah, I've heard crazy stories about people who get up there and they hallucinate stuff. Oh, and big time. I, I listened to a podcast once about this uh, search and rescue guy on Everest, and he said he even knows, like, he says he was up on the top of a mountain and he looked and there was a baby sitting on a rock. Oh, yeah, you told me about yeah, that. Yeah, and the, and the baby was talking to him and he swears he just looked <laughs> at the baby. That terrifying. Yeah, I know. He says he just looked at the baby and was just like, 100% this is real. Uh-huh. And, but he knows it. He knows now it couldn't be. But right. at the time he's like, yeah, a baby was talking to me just sitting on a rock at that, that altitude. Crazy. So it can like legitimately make you crazy. So it's possible that he thought he was radioing down, but he, he was he, really like took off his shoe and was talking into his shoe hello, or something. Can I get a size twelve? <laughs> he's like, base camp, this is my shoe. Coming well that's in. that was one of the things that he said. He's like, look, I as far as I know, I radioed down. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm not throwing him under the bus. I just thought it was an interesting thing because mm. he also says, and this is the other thing, he says that he has been singled out because he's the most... <laughs> You're going to say he's been single. No, he's been single ever since. <laughs> he's been singled out because he's the most well-known climber of the group. He mm. also said there's 20 other people up there. Mm. So it was yeah. like an executive decision that mm. I guess that they made the call not to save the guy because he was too far gone. And, yeah, so don't know what's going on. Okay. But we will not judge. We, thee shall not judge thee lest thou be judged on the jousman. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly, that's how, exactly that goes. how it goes. So, okay. Well, yep. that's good to know. There you go. But anyway, I saw That baby. is fascinating. I think stories of that are crazy, especially when people survive. Two weeks in an ice cave? Two weeks. That's crazy. That's a really long time to be anywhere, even in, in our own house, which we have proven to be. It was very comfortable, but still. Although very now hard to we're do. going on like five weeks or something. 
Too long. I don't know. Too long, baby. It's all a mess. It's a blur. Go for it. So, this story is also a chili. It's a bone chiller. Because it also takes place on a mountain in winter. It'll be shorter than yours, though, and less intense. But still intense. Okay. Is there ice cream? There's no ice cream. Okay. Well, can carry on. Okay. Maybe we'll make up a story at the end of this with some ice cream. Okay. So, but I'm going to preface this by saying it's really easy to just like hear the story and be like, wow, that's so crazy. But like, I want you to put yourself in the person's shoes. Okay. Well, and actually think about what this would feel should like. Should I take my shoes off for it? Yes. And okay. strap on some snowboard boots because we're going snowboarding, I've got baby. slippers on. Take your slippers off. It's my 4 p.m. I don't know why you're still wearing slippers. All right. My shoes are off. I'm Quarantine ready to go. footwear. I'm ready to go in someone else's shoes. Let's do it. Okay. Strap on your snowboarding boots. Well, I can't because I'm going to put myself into someone else's shoes. He's wearing snowboarding okay, boots. Okay, fine. They're on. <laughs> They're on. Okay. Um, so this is the story of Kevin Shannon. Love it when people have two first names. So good. So Kevin's on a holiday with his family in France. He and his little brother have been snowboarding every day of the holiday. They aren't like expert snowboarders, but they're having a blast. They're like like, you and me. Yeah, exactly. Except I was on skis. Yeah, we have fun. We have fun. We have fun. So they're like young and energetic. They're on the first lift up in the morning and the last lift down at the end of the day. What they do with the rest of the day? They were up at the chateau drinking hot toddies. Oh. Probably. That's where I would be That's anyway. That's where you would be. <laughs> yeah. So you know that feeling when you're on vacation, you're just like stoked to be out and oh. like... We felt that in Canada. You're like stoked to be shredding the pow. You're like, pow, pow. you're you're just really into it. I love it when Christine talks snowboarding, skiing, yes. lingo. The board, you're boarding there, you know, boarders, yeah. whatever. So it's their second to last day of their vacation and it had just snowed. Oh, so fresh, fresh pow. pow. Pow, pow. So they were super excited. So Kevin and his brother decide to check out an off-piste What's his brother's section. name? I don't know. I was going to say, does he have two first names? But he could. He obviously would because his last name is Shannon. Unless he has a last name as a first name. Oh, like, like Smith Shannon. Smith Shannon. What's other Hatfield Shannon? Well, that would be a trippy name. So they decide to go off-piste. Do you know what that means? Uh, like off track? Yeah. So like in the trees, you're going off the trail. Oh, okay. Learn we're a learning, word today. We're learning a lot of mountain terms. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. I see. I sense a new specialty coming. Oh, mountain law. Mountain law. <laughs> okay, so they have already actually. I, I would imagine going off piste is not very uh, cohesive and coherent. No, what's the word I'm looking? For? I'm looking for law terms. Sorry, I'm just. It's not very conducive. No, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, it's a c you word. See where you end up with. It's this a one. c word. It's not very uh, supportive. I'll just go of uh, real mountain law. I believe you. Are you allowed to go off piste? Consistent. Fuck, that's the word I was looking for. Are you allowed to go off-piste? I think you are. I think you're pretty much always allowed to do that, right? I don't know. Sometimes you see the signs that say, don't go. Really? Mm. I feel like in France you would be able to do it. Oh, yeah, in France. When in France. (laughs) Anything goes in France. Well, anything goes in France. We've got a France story, but don't worry about that. I'll tell you later. We have a France story? Yeah, we'll just keep going. We'll tell them later at the end. Does it involve ice cream? Glass? Okay, so Kevin and his brother, they've already done this section before. They've done the route, so they're not too worried about it. So Kevin lets his brother go ahead since he's the faster boarder, and he figures he'll just catch up to him. 
kind of like you would do with me. Yeah. Because I'm very slow on the mountain. <laughs> very slow. I get faster, but I start extremely slow with the, I do the pizza with yeah. the two skis. And then you get a bit faster and then you get tired and you get slow again. Yeah, exactly. You know how it goes. And then you have a cocktail. So unfortunately, as he's beginning to pick up speed, he loses control of the snowboard. He's not able to turn, but he's like going faster and faster until he smashes straight into a trunk of a tree. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that Uh-oh. is very dangerous. He said it was like hitting concrete. Oh. Just slam, wham, bam. Thank no, you. No, thank you, no, ma'am. No, thank you, ma'am. I do not want one of those. <laughs> no. So he didn't pass out, but he said the pain was instant Does he and have a extreme. Um, I don't know about the helmet, but he, his head's okay. Okay, so he hits it with his body. With his body. He says he knows almost immediately that his back is broken. Ooh. It's a very, it, you know, sometimes like the pain takes a little bit to kick in. Mm-hmm. You're in shock. Yeah, yeah. That was not this situation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was instant and extreme. Very, very extreme. Ouch. So he starts to realize that he's off piste. He's off the trail. Mm-hmm. Which we, we all know now together Now we all know what that means. And it's unlikely someone's going to ride past and see him. That See, that's the danger of going off-piste, as if I may say. Is that, I mean, the trees are also the v- big danger. Yes. But if you get yourself in trouble, it's like hiking alone or you know doing anything where you're off the trail is that people don't know where to look for you. Exactly. I went off-piste on our latest. By accident. <laughs> by accident. And I waited for somebody to come down to tell me which way to go because I was just in the trees on a mountain and nobody came because that's Did what happened. Did you also fall through the mountains? Didn't you also take a tumble through the trees? Um, I was not near the trees when I tumbled, but I did do a somersault. Into the trees. In the skis. Not into the trees. (laughs) So he doesn't have any phone signal, and his brother is already way down the mountain. And he doesn't, like, his brother's not going to be able to find him. And the brother's probably just assuming that Kevin's on the slope, you know, having fun. It is snowing and freezing. So Kevin realizes he's going to have to get himself down the mountain himself. Ooh. Or risk freezing to death if no one finds him. Okay. He, lose, can I, lose. Can I say what I think I would do in this situation? Yeah, of course. I would take off my snowboard and then kind of ride it down like a boogie board. That's exactly what he does. Yes. Good job. How'd you know that? Because that's. I was just thinking that's what I'd do. I was like, well, his back's fucked, so he's not going to be able to stand up. Do you know what I would do in this situation? Lay there and die. I would figure out a way to get the snowboard like facing up, like stick it into the ground if possible, so mm. that it's like you know, for, like perpendicular yeah, yeah, yeah. into the ground. So someone sees it if they're going nearby, and then I would lay down on the ground and make it s- slowly go die. to sleep. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> um, but he d- he takes your plan, which is okay. fine. He's allowed to do that. So oh, okay, <laughs> you mean the plan to safety is a plan. The plan to death. Yeah. Okay. So because his back is broken, he can't walk or stand. So he tries to crawl, but he's going very slow and he's in a ton of pain. So he's pretty effed, as you would say. But he manages to unclip. We're being very censored on this podcast today. Yeah. He manages (laughs) to unclip the board from his feet and place it under his stomach. So he's laying face down on the board. Like a boogie board. I said he uses it as a luge, but boogie board works. Like a dumb boogie. Like a dumb boogie board. And he starts to drag and slide himself down the slope. Well, what if he got on a really steep slope? Okay. Well, so it is. It's very steep. 
but he's able to slow himself down uh, by digging his arms into the snow. Uh, so he's okay. trying to go as slow as possible. He's going about like a jogging pace. Okay, okay. I mean, it depends like on the drag, jogger. You could drag your hands in as well to slow yourself I down. I think that's basically what he okay. was doing. I don't know Still. if it's like me jogging or you jogging, but... So mm. someone's jogging. So uh, at and it's one, definitely not Kevin. So I just want. So this is what I was saying earlier. Like it's easy to be like, oh, that's crazy. But like, imagine having a broken back, alone on a mountain, off trail, knowing you're either have to get yourself down, or you're going to freeze to death, and you're slow. Yeah. You're trying to get yourself you're down the mountain. Boogie boarding, baby. You're boogie boarding. I mean, that's extreme. That's crazy. But I feel like that's one of those stories. I mean, we've been tell- this is week, episode 29, right? We've been telling a lot of stories. We've researched a lot. And the one thing that's very consistent across all our stories is people's will to survive. That is a thousand like, percent true. Insane. I mean, from from my story of survival in the Andes where they were out in there for 72 days that after a plane crazy. crash, your insane story about the woman who survived the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, go back go back through our catalog. If this is the first episode you've listened to or you've only listened to a couple, you'll find some incredible stories about people who are lost in crashes, isolated by themselves. And people's ability to survive is just insane. That's like exactly insane. right. It's they have to have that moment of like, I have to get myself out of this, and no one is going to help me. Yeah, yeah. I so. think it really shows you, without getting too deep, but it really does show you the ability of what humans are capable of, both mentally and physically. And it, it puts things into perspective when you're complaining about some small things. Yes. It makes you think about like what you actually can endure. Like, yeah, sure, this fucking sucks, this quarantine. We've been here for four over four weeks now. We're mm-hmm. going on five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have all the comforts. Yes. Like people, some people have been stranded for like two or three weeks with no food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking each day, thinking I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And eventually they survive. Yeah. So... There you go. There you go. Truth bombs. Love it. Boom. So at one point, he loses control of the board, and he slides into a six-foot bunker. He says six-foot bunker, but I think he meant like snowbank, because when I looked up snow bunker, all I could find was Fortnite stuff. <laughs> so I'm not sure what a snow bunker is. I think is. he must mean a bank. If you know what a snow bunker is, hit me up. Let me know. I'm sure it just means a bank. Like a bank, right. Yeah. Anyway, he slides off the board into the snow. He says the cold immediately eases the pain of his back. Oh, that would be handy. And he thinks about staying there. Oh. He's on his back now in the snow. But, you know, don't stay in the snow, you guys. you got to keep moving. you got to keep moving. We learned He's anything. probably thinking, if we've learned anything, got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. So he says out loud to himself, no, I must get down. Not today. Not today, Mountain. Not, Not today. today. So he has to crawl back up this six-foot bunker and slide. Oh, no, no, no. A bunker is like, I imagine it's probably like like a golf bunker. What's that? It's it's a dip. It's like, you know, oh. you know a sand bunker? So okay. it's like a hole. So basically you're in a I hole. I don't know what a sand bunker is, but it's well, like a sand trap? Can you imagine a, a golf course, yeah? Yeah. You know how hearts have the sand? Yes. That's called a bunker. Okay, because we call it a sand trap. Okay, we call it a bunker. Mm. 
Where's he from, this guy? I think he's English. Okay, maybe that's why. But anyway, we call it a bunk. So it basically means like a little, like a ditch. Okay, so, so that makes way so more sense. So he would sense. be in a ditch and he had to crawl out of it. Okay, ah. so he's six feet into this ditch. Okay, which is not big, but if you've got a broken it's a back. no ditch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have a broken back, it's, you can't, I mean, you can't stand up. Yeah. Okay, so he's crawling out of this bunker. Bit, but first uh, he's, he's on his back, so he has to roll over. So his legs, like, is he paralyzed? No, I don't think he's paralyzed. No, he's not paralyzed, but his back is broken. So yeah. he can't move but very you can well. have vi- Not discrediting, but you can have different degrees of a broken back. That's true. But it is somewhat broken. Okay. So he crawls back up this bunker, which we have found out. Yep. This is snow ditch. And he slides himself back. It's not from Fortnite. It's not from Fortnite. He slides himself back onto the board. It takes him another hour to get to a cross-country ski path. Another hour Okay, that's good though. Crawling. At least someone's... Yes. And then he stays there for another hour before a skier finally comes by and finds him. Okay. So at least Thankfully. he does get rescued, you guys. Don't worry. So the it's rescue... It's not David Sharp. It's not David Sharp. R.I.P. So the rescue team comes. His brother comes. Um, he can't feel anything in his hands and toes. Oh, because his hands would be freezing. His hands are freezing. Ugh. I'm sure he's got snowboarding gloves. Yeah, but he would. He's been digging his yeah, hands because they get wet into eventually. The snow mm. for hours, for hours. Um, but he says, you know, now he knows he's safe. Yep. So they give him morphine. A helicopter takes him to hospital. Hopefully, he has uh, travel insurance. Hopefully, he finds out that he shattered one of his vertebrae. So Ooh. do you feel like that's a lot and not a lot? I mean, you have a lot of vertebrae in your back. Yeah. But it's a sh- is it shattered or broken? Shattered. Hmm. Mm. He also How many says, vertebrae do you have in your back? There's also a lot of pressure on the spinal canal, which I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. Okay. There are 33 individual bones in your back. How many so- of them are vertebrae? I think they're all vertebrae. Oh, they're all vertebrae. Oh, yeah, no. Vertebrae are 33 individual bones that interlock with each other to form the spinal column. So if you break one, you've still got 32 others. It still sounds like it would be painful. Yeah, though. especially if you shatter it. But yeah. yeah. Ooh. Ooh. So he has to get plates and screws inserted into his back. Yep. So he did a proper job. Yeah. So eventually with rehabilitation, he's able to walk and then swim and then cycle and then run. That's his order of events. Okay. Um, and he says, So he made it. He made it. He said he hasn't been back on the slopes yet, but when he does, he'll be sticking to the trails. When did this story happen? This was in uh, 2019. Oh, okay. So this is recent. Okay, so he's making a. He's making a. This was well. It was published uh, on in December of 2019. Okay, so he's 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 still recovering. But I don't know. Maybe I mean he, Kevin, that might have happened later. Kevin Shannon. Kevin Shannon. Well, Kevin, you know, keep keep going. Keep on chugging. Keep chugging, man. But don't go off trail. No. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Two uh, sn- unplanned snow-related stories. I love it. I love it. I love a good theme. It's good when we can get to a theme. Yeah, ice theme. Ice, ice baby without the ice cream. Now we have to go get ice cream. We do. But before we go, we just need to tell you guys one last time before, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're not going to inundate you with it, but we are going to mention that we have a Patreon page not so bon voyage. You can find it on Patreon, or you can go to patreon.com/slash/not so bon voyage. Or if you're on 
you're listening in an app, it's in the episode notes. You can just click mm. the link. You can check it out. Easy peasy. See what perks we're offering for some extra bonus stuff for our voyagers who want to help support the show. We love you even if you listen and you don't support the show, but we love you extra if you support it. <laughs> um, and we want to reward you with some bonus video and audio content. We're going to do extra episodes. You can actually find an extra episode already up there right now. Christine tells a hilarious story about a guy from England who has a very unexpected holiday. And mm. I talk about one of our craziest travel journeys, which is going to Cabo de la Vela in Colombia, which was just a wild time for us. And yeah, there's going to be other stuff. There's going to be, you know, there's some thank yous. There's some other video content. So yeah, we're going to be building on that page and giving you some extra stuff. You'll also get early access mm. to the episodes. We forgot Indeed. to tell that and special announcements that are just for our Patreon supporters. So, yeah, check it out, patreon.com slash voyage, And that is it for the week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's all she wrote. Yeah, we know most of you aren't traveling at the moment, so uh, stay safe at home. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye. Bye, bitches.